Hey, y'all, I'm Jess Connolly. It's an honor to be here. I, I really do mean it. I love this place. Your, your pastors, your leaders, y'all, this is something special. I hope you feel that. I hope you perceive that. This is something special is happening here. Number two thing that we have to get out of the way, oh, that's, okay, um, is that if any confetti falls out of my pants, <laughs> just let it go, okay? If it's in my hair, I need somebody to say, like, it's in your hair, okay? Because, or else we're gonna be distracted. Does that sound fine? Yeah, I already fished some out of my shirt. So I'm just saying, it could come out of a sleeve at any moment and it'll be fine, we'll all be okay? Amen. All right, y'all. I'm Jess Connolly. I'm so grateful you're here. I'm gonna pray in just a second, but first I wanna ask you this question. Have you ever tried so hard to do something that you ended up doing the opposite? <laughs> Have you ever tried so hard to do something that you ended up breaking it? You know what I'm saying? I have a story that I would like to tell you. So um, any moms in the house? A couple of moms here. Yeah, in the name of Jesus. Any... Um, any C-section moms in the house? Yes, praise God, bless you. Um, <laughs> I, you know, by the way the Lord wrote my story, I have four kids, um, three are teenagers, one's a 10-year-old, but I had four C-sections. And I did not want it to be that way. I wanted to be like a natural birth warrior. Um, and that's just not the way the Lord wrote my story. So I ended up having four C-sections. And so what I like to do, I, I assume that many of you guys will feel this way if you've had a C-section. What I like to do is when I know a friend, when a friend knows she's gonna have a C-section, um, for whatever reason, I like to prep her, right? Because this is, it's harrowing. If, if any of you in the room have thought like, oh, I wanna have a C-section, it'll be easier. It's not, it's barbaric. It's like a shark cutting a baby out of your body um, in a room where, sorry men, but it's a women's conference, where you're just naked. You're just naked with all the brightest lights on that have ever been in, in the whole world. And I, so I like to prep women if this is coming, because I like to say like, by the way, you're gonna be naked. Because you think there's a gown and, and they put up a sheet, but like the rest of the time you're naked. And um, that was a jarring experience for me. I had my first kid when I was 22, and I was like, where is my mom? <laughs> And I've had four C-sections. I've, I've had four C-sections in four different states. So um, just, again, because of the cute way the Lord wrote my life. And so depending on where you're at in the country, a C-section is different. Some states, I don't know how they play in Georgia, some states, they strap your arms down. They just Velcro your arms to the table. Yep, some of y'all know this. So I like to prep women like, listen, they might strap your arms down. And I want you to just know you're gonna feel a little bit crazy. I like to tell women, as crazy as this is, this is getting too graphic. You might vomit during your C-section. You know how that works? It's not cute. You just roll your head to the side because you can't move and your arms are strapped down. So I had a friend who knew for some medical reasons she was gonna have to have a C-section and we were actually at a women's retreat last fall. And I said, listen, you know what I'm not gonna do? I'm not gonna freak you out. But what I am gonna do is I'm gonna grab your husband and I'm gonna just tell him a couple things <laughs> that I want him to be prepped for. And I, when the time is right, I want him to walk you through it and just, you know, I just, I want him to have the information. I said, it might not even be until like 
the day before, I just want him to share some things with you about. I just wanna tell you. So I sat her husband down and I was like, listen, they might strap her arms down, she might vomit. She's gonna be alone after she has the baby. You're gonna go with the baby. She's gonna be, she's like 22 year old me. I'm laying on the table naked, saying like, am I dying? I was trying to talk to the anesthesia. Am I dying? Because I have no way to talk to. So I was like, I'm just prepping him. I'm just telling him all these things. I just want you to know all this information. And we were at this retreat together, this um, church retreat. And it was a couple's church retreat. So she goes to bed and I'm just telling him like, hey, here's what you need to know. When the time is right, you tell her. This is a true story. He goes to bed. Three hours later, one in the morning, on this couple's church retreat, there's a knock on my door. And I'm like, my kids aren't here, so this is what's happening. So I go to the door, I put my robe on, I'm like, hello, what's up? It's the man, the husband, with his wife, standing beside him, she's sobbing. (laughs) Crying her eyes, she was like, they're gonna strap my arms down? (laughs) I'm gonna vomit? What? I was like, what? did you do? I told you when the time was right. He was like, I was just so freaked out. I had to go upstairs and tell her everything. I was like, this isn't about you. This isn't about you. I was trying so hard to help her not be scared that I made her scared. Here's what I got for you this morning. I think that a lot of us are trying so hard to love God. We're trying so hard to honor God that we are not honoring God by refusing rest in our life. I think that some of us are trying so hard to see revival in our families and in our communities that we are not allowing God to revive us. I think that some of us are trying so hard to obey God that we are disobeying God by not receiving rest. And I say that with a smile on my face and with compassion in my heart because this was for sure my story too. This is absolutely what I was doing. And as we talk today about God reviving us the place we have to start in the name of Jesus is talking about truly letting him revive us through rest. So here, here's the bad news. Um, the bad news is that statistically, research shows um, women right now today in 2023 are as tired as they've ever been throughout all of history. We are getting the least sleep. We are the most mentally overwhelmed We are the most emotionally unstable. And spiritually, we are the most disconnected. We are an exhausted group of people. We're highly resourced. We have a lot of information. We have all the tools. We have all the technology that should have made our lives simpler and caused us to get more rest. But yet, statistically, every study shows that across the board, we are more tired than we have ever been in the history of the world. Here's what else. Um, we We were on a gradual incline of fatigue in our society, and something broke during the pandemic. 
and the levels of fatigue, specifically in women post-2020, have had an exponential multiplication. So women are actually increasingly more tired post-pandemic. We reached a new level of mental, physical, and spiritual fatigue that we are not recovering from. Here's what else. This is what research shows us, that maybe you've heard of a a gender pay gap. That means like men get paid more than women. There is now also a gender fatigue gap, and it's statistically proven. Research is showing that physically, women are more tired than men. This is an issue. And if I'm honest, Every single woman I know is tired. Every single woman I know is tired. Maybe she gets enough sleep, but her mind is so overwhelmed. And maybe, I don't know, maybe she feels peace and present in her mind, but emotionally she can't keep up. She finds herself saying, I don't know why I'm crying. (laughs) Or she says, my brain feels like mush today, sorry. Or she says, oh, I'm just a hot mess. You know, I'm always running a little bit late. And then worse, a lot of us are actually boasting about our fatigue. It somehow became cool in the last couple decades to pridefully talk about how little we sleep and how busy we are. And we say it so casually like this, how are you, how you doing? I'm good, good, busy, tired, good. (laughs) Something is wrong here. And I don't know, I don't know how we're gonna keep going desiring so badly to honor God, desiring so badly to love God and serve God, wanting in the name of Jesus. I believe most of you came in this room today because you want revival, you want it. And I don't know how we're gonna keep moving forward, trying to serve God, trying to obey God, trying to see revival without obeying God by resting, without receiving revival our self. I wanna look a little bit at a story from the life of Elijah today. We're gonna be in 1 Kings 19. I'm gonna tell you right now, the story is weird and funny. It's and a little sad and dramatic. Um, it's all the things. We're in 1 Kings 19, but before I, I even read the story to you, I'll tell you, Elijah was a prophet. Um, so many of you are probably even familiar with his life and this story, but he was a prophet. And um, what happened in the lives of the Old Testament prophets, not to oversimplify it, but what often happened is that God would come to a prophet and say, I have a word for you to bring to the people of God. And then because... Um, I guess it makes it more effective, that prophet would have to then walk through some of that pain in some way or another. And so this was true of Elijah. Like, for example, he would have to prophesy about a drought that would come, but then he would have to live in the drought. (laughs) 
He would actually have to live in the dry land. And so we find ourselves in 1 Kings 19 in a really like pivotal, wild part of Elijah's story. He's actually just battled and won 450 um, of the prophets of Baal, which was a false god that the people were serving. And then the following chapters, he's actually, you know, we say the phrase, she called down fire from heaven or he called down fire from heaven. That's from Elijah because he actually called down fire from heaven in the chapter that would to come. So this is a pivotal point in Elijah's ministry, and he is doing God's work. He is honoring God. He is seeing revival, even in the midst of incredibly tough circumstances. But here's what happens in 1 Kings 19, the first eight verses. I'm gonna talk about some other names first, but we won't even necessarily pay attention to those. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. She's saying, may all the gods kill me if I don't kill you by tomorrow. If I don't, t- I'm coming for you, Elijah. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left a servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die, saying, it's enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I'm no better than my father's. And he lay down and he slept under a broom tree and behold, An angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. So here's what happens in 1 Kings 19. Wild stuff has just happened in the, in the ministry of Elijah. Wild stuff is coming in the ministry of Elijah, but he is exhausted and he is tired. And so he gets so exhausted and so tired that he's like, I'm out. He's, he's literally, some theologians call him the suicidal prophet. He's so tired and he's so exhausted that he's like, just, just take me now, God. And God says like, well, what if we try to nap? (laughs) And some bread, little water. Okay, go back to sleep again, eat a little bit more. And then Elijah gets up and goes and sees even more victory. I wanna just say two quick things about this story. Um, Number one, I I hope I don't sound like I'm making light of Elijah feeling at the end of his rope. Uh, For me, I reached a point in 2022, early 2022, where I was at the end of my rope. I just hit it. To be honest, I had been there for, um, I had been on the edge of the end of my rope for probably about six years. And if I would come to a conference, um, if I would come to an event like this, if I would come to any kind of place of worship and I would talk to God, um, the number one thing I would usually like come forward and pray about was just how tired I was. And if I was feeling really vulnerable, I'd go to somebody else and I'd say, "I'm I'm just really tired. I'm just really tired. Um, But what was interesting is that all along, 
I really felt like it was my fault. I felt like, well, I'm tired because I've taken on too much, or I'm tired because I'm weak, or I'm tired because I don't have a good enough plan, or I'm tired because I don't take the right supplements. But what I'm so encouraged about in the story of Elijah is is just to look at his life and to say like, Elijah was being chased and threatened. He wasn't weak for being scared and exhausted. This was wild stuff. And if I can just hand this to you, if you find yourself today physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually exhausted, it is not because you are weak. You are being assaulted with information. You are being assaulted as women right now with expectations on your schedule, on your time, on your gifts, on how you lead your family. We just keep adding on and adding on to what is expected of women. And it is exhausting. And so if you have ever found yourself saying like, oh, I'm a little tired, and then feeling shame about it because it's surely your fault, I'm here to tell you it's not. Number one, you're tired because you live under the effects of a fallen world. And so gravity alone um, is really messing with, I I would say my face, to be honest. Um, (laughs) Tara and I were watching the past pictures. She was like, I want that hair back. I was like, I want that hair and those under eyes back. We were in a really different place in 2020, but my body is good, my face is good, so let's keep going. Um, yeah, you're fatigued because it's too much. You're exhausted because it's too much, not because you're weak, and I'm encouraged to see this in the life of Elijah. Um, number two, I'm just deeply encouraged by this truth about God. God provides supernatural power to Elijah through simple and natural rest. God provides supernatural power to Elijah through simple and natural rest. I mean, it's supernatural in that an angel provides it, but it's still just a nap and some bread. If you are looking for supernatural power in your life, if you are looking to see healing, to see freedom, to see new growth in your family, if you are stepping into a new career, a new calling, if you need the energy to see revival in your life or in somebody else's, oftentimes we will find supernatural power in the very simple and natural world of just resting. So I'm here to talk about rest. Um, I I wrote a new book. It comes out next year. It's called Tired of Being Tired. Um, It came out of this this basic, basically a breakdown that I had in 2022 that changed my life, where I finally just got to the point of saying, like, I can't live like this anymore. If Jesus Christ died for my eternal and abundant life, if he's set me free from all of these other things, I cannot any longer believe that he wants me to live a life of punitive exhaustion. I cannot any longer believe that abundance means that every time I see somebody, I say, tired, tired, busy, but good. I cannot believe that he wants me to feel an ache in my bones every single day, and that is how I'll serve him. I cannot believe anymore that he wants my brain to feel scrambled because I have so much going on. I cannot believe anymore that he wants me to be so emotionally exhausted that I always am like, I can't even, I don't know. What if I could? 
I cannot believe that he wants me to live a life of spiritual exhaustion where I feel like absolutely everything is my fault and I never really access what grace and mercy means in a practical way. So I'm gonna have to embrace realistic rest. I cannot quit my job. I cannot quit being a mom. I cannot quit showing up at church, and I don't want to quit doing any of those things. So how can I every single day follow the same Jesus who said in Matthew 11, come to me if you're weary and burdened, I'll teach you a new way. I'm gonna have to every day embrace some realistic principles that maybe look very simple, but will actually help me move forward. And I wish that this whole message was me just giving you some of those simple and practical steps. But to be honest, we have work to do before we can even talk about the solution. Because here's the thing. Let's say that we're willing and brave and courageous enough to say, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I pray that we are all are all that way today. I pray that we can at least have a moment to be like, okay, yeah, maybe, I, maybe this is not a me problem. Maybe this is an us problem. I'm exhausted. I'm tired in one way or the other. And let's say that we're, that we're willing to say like, okay, maybe if, if I have this problem in my life, maybe God has a solution for me called rest. But then I believe between that step and the next one, there are so many caveats that rise up in us. And I just wanna hit three today. And if I, could just, if I could just have time to convince you, maybe have our minds changed about these three kind of caveats, these arguments um, that we make against rest, I think we could really see some life change. Um, I'll, I'll say this first. Um, does anybody, don't, don't raise your hand, don't, don't raise your hand. Um, you know how a lot of people like to play devil's advocate, right? Um, I'd, this is what I'm trying to help you do if you wanna play devil's advocate about like rest and receiving it to see your life change. But I will tell you before we even take one step further, stop advocating for the devil, okay? In the name of Jesus, when it comes to rest, if you're doing it right now in your head and you're saying like, but she doesn't know, blah, 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 blah. And like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not that tired. My friends aren't that tired. Stop advocating for the devil, okay? All right, let's go together. <laughs> Why do we avoid rest? Why are we just terrified? It? Number one is this. Um, we don't believe that we've earned it. We don't believe that we've earned rest. So if that phrase doesn't sit with you, try this on for size. Um, maybe you might say, if I were to rest, I would feel lazy or guilty. Anybody? Yeah. That means we feel like we have to earn rest. We have to do something. We have to do enough to prove that we can take it. And, and taking it would mean that we are somehow not good, right? So this is how very many women feel. If you don't feel that um, just inside your own self, you probably feel like you don't want other people to think that you're lazy, right? You probably don't want other people to look and say like, what, who does she think she is? Why, why is she resting? Why isn't she here helping us? So here's the deal about earning our rest. This is one biblical principle that changes everything, okay? I'm gonna take us back to Genesis. In Genesis, when God is creating the entire universe, well, first of all, there's so much about rest. First of all, Holy Spirit, it says, at creation, rested over the face of the earth. 
There's rest present at creation. We all know that God takes um, the seventh day and calls it holy, even though he doesn't really need rest, but I'm not even touching that. I'm going to an even more simple biblical principle that I believe might change your mind about whether or not you deserve rest. It's from Genesis 1, 1 through 5. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So he is saying there's light and then there's dark, right? There's day and then there's night. Wait for it because he's about to do a switcheroo. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and there was morning the first day. When do we think our day starts? When we wake up. Biblically, at the point of creation, God says, you're confused. The day starts at the night because we don't work, 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 and then earn our rest and crash. We work from rest. There was evening, and then there was morning the first day. There was evening, and then there was morning the first day. So the next time you feel like, I just, I don't deserve it. I'm gonna feel guilty. I'm gonna feel lazy. I don't know if I've done enough. Crash that thought in the name of Jesus. And remember, there was evening, and then there was morning the first day. You do not rest from your work. You work from rest. You have to take the rest first. God shows us this at the point of creation. Again, um, Let's don't try so hard to honor God and love God and serve God and love others that we don't honor God by just honoring the way he set up creation. You do not have to earn your rest. Also, Psalm 127, too, says God gives rest to those that he loves. The entire gospel crashes the idea that we have to earn anything in the kingdom of God. You do not have to earn your rest. Second caveat. This is the big one. Just, just, Everybody just look at me and don't roll your eyes, okay? Because I know it's been happening in your heart because I am a woman too. And I have a perception that maybe a lot of you might be sitting here and thinking like, must be nice. What does she think my life is like? Well, first of all, not to defend myself or anything, but um, I haven't actually told you what I think rest has to look like. So... If you're imagining me saying like, you need to go on vacation or you just need to take it easy or you need to like go to a silent retreat, I didn't say any of that because I believe you were called to cultivate and I believe you were placed where you're at on purpose. I believe in the name of Jesus, you're the girl for the job, that you've been given to your families and your communities to see renewal and revival, to use your gifts, to use your hands and feet. So I am not advocating a life full of rest. I am advocating for a life from rest rest in the name of Jesus, daily, simple, practical rest. But here's the thing. I think so many of us are fighting for our limitations, and God is going to let us keep them if we keep fighting for them. If you fight for your limitations, here's why I can't rest. Here's why I can't spend time with God. Here's why I can't get the relief that I need. X, Y, and Z, you are going to get to keep those limitations, But in the name of Jesus, if we'll hold our hands up and say, hey, this is what my life looks like. I don't really know how this is gonna work, but I would like to see how I could receive God's rest on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, how I could honor him by spending time with him, by ceasing work, 
by getting what I need from his presence, I believe we will see renewal come. We ha- again, we have, a great, uh, we have a great example in God, our Father, who created the Sabbath when he absolutely didn't need it. Holy Spirit, who hovered, rested. The actual Hebrew word is rested over the water at creation. But we also have an incredible example in Jesus, who in his very short time had so much to do. I think we can all agree he had a little bit on his plate. Um, so much to get done in three years. And yet we have recollection after recollection in the New Testament of him withdrawing from people who were waiting on him and who needed from him to rest. He sure had a lot on his plate and he really loved people. And yet, if you read the New Testament and and if you consider how much we was probably left out of the account of his ministry, it felt so important to multiple accounts of the gospels to, to show us. And there were lots of people on the shore and he pulled away in a boat and Jesus withdrew to go be with God. And so we can keep advocating for like, oh, we, we don't have time, it's not gonna work for us. Or we can say like, God, our Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus, our friend and Savior, took this gift from God, so maybe I can too. But here's the deal, and, and this is really where it gets um, honest, is that I think a lot of times if we're kind of fighting for ourselves and saying like, oh, I couldn't, I can't, I can't rest. You you don't understand. I I can't take a Sabbath. I can't get enough sleep at night. I have so much to do. A lot of what we have to do is about this. It's about appearances. It's about people pleasing. A lot of what we say we have to do is about fear and control. And a lot of it is about overcommitting and saying yes to things that we never should have said yes to. And so we can keep fighting for those things in our life or we can see revival. And I wanna see revival. I don't wanna get to the end of my life and be like, God, I just didn't have any time to rest while I was white knuckling fear and control and everybody else's perception of me. And so I was showing up to everything and doing everything and overcommitting and staying five minutes late and coming 30 minutes early and trying harder than I ever could because I just was trying to serve everybody else and not God. Number three, Uh, I think if we're really honest, and this is more of a soul problem for a lot of us, I think that we avoid rest because we believe it's gonna cost us. It's gonna cost us. And the thing is, it is. It is gonna cost us. I wanna be really honest with you. And when all of this started to happen in my life and I, I got to the point where I said, like, I can no longer keep trying to honor God and love God and serve God by disobeying him. I can no longer keep believing this lie that I'm just supposed to live tired. I actually had to make shifts and changes that disappointed people. I actually had to make shifts and changes that caused me to get less ahead. I had to miss out on things. It did, in fact, cost me. Rest may cost us the approval of others, but it will help us gain a sense of being known and loved by God. Rest may cost us the rewards of worldly striving, but it will help us experience 
eternal abundance. Rest will cost us the identity of being the most counted on, but it will give us wild peace and contentment. Rest will cost us a life pushed to the limits, but it will bless us with one that embraces boundaries. I wanna be honest. If you decided today, if you were like, that's it, okay, I think I'm ready. I'm tired of being tired too. I think I wanna shift some things in my life. Maybe they'll be simple. Maybe nobody else will notice, but I'm ready to actually start honoring God and receiving the the rest that he has for me, the simple, supernatural rest. I wanna be honest, you might make less money this year. You might frustrate people. Some people might say, some people in this room might be like, well, I thought she was gonna be there. Your kids might be disappointed because you might say, we actually cannot do 37 activities on a weekend. I'm sorry you can't play four sports, but you weren't gonna go pro in any of them. (laughs) Is that just me? Am I the only one who said that to their kids? (laughs) You might not make every girl's night. You might not be on every committee. You might not be the go-to girl. But you might actually like your life. You might actually find that you have the mental capacity to be present with God and other people. You might actually find that a few small changes would mean that you don't wake up every day feeling like your bones are breaking and your back is aching. You might find that you can access your emotions and you can love more generously and you can be more compassionate and you can be more patient. You might find in the name of Jesus, this one most important thing that all along, hear me out. You might find that all along, God, your father was coming toward you with compassion. You might find that all along you thought you were working for him and he just wanted to walk with you. You might find that he's actually a good dad. You might find some companionship and friendship in Jesus, your savior, who says, I know what it's like to be tired. Let's go sit with dad. You might find spiritual renewal and it might bleed out of you into revival around you. You know that passage in the New Testament that says always be prepared um, to have an answer for the faith that you have? Has anyone ever wondered um, why no one asks you about your faith? (laughs) Have you ever wondered why nobody's like, how are you so peaceful? How are you so joyful? Some of y'all people ask you that. Some of us, nobody's ever asked us. I'm gonna be honest with you. People ask me like, how are you so passionate? And people would ask me like, oh, how'd you get into publishing? Um, But until the last year and a half of my life, nobody had asked me like, tell me what's going on with you. You You seem more present. You seem more awake. You seem like not so stressed. Nothing in my life has changed stress-wise. It stayed as stressful. But just a little bit of realistic rest, just a little bit of God every day, just a little bit of fighting this desire to play devil's advocate, 
and just take what he's offering me has changed the game for me. It cost Elijah a couple of naps, but it led to revival. He didn't get out of the game. He didn't quit. He got to see God and he got to be a part of it. And so I wanna be honest with you that rest and embracing it and saying that we are tired of being tired, it will cost us, but it will help us experience eternal and abundant life in a wild and life-giving way. And here's the real truth. I just don't know that we're going to be able to be present for the revival if we are not revived ourselves. We might be there. We might volunteer. We just might not like it or notice what's happening. I don't want it to be that way. We're gonna pray in a second um, and the prayer team's gonna come forward. And um, again, you guys, I wish, I wish I had all day with you, except for that I really wanna hear from Whitney and Tara. Um, but if I had all day, I, w- I would just start to walk you through some really simple steps. Hey, try this. How about this? Um, but I know that more importantly, than giving you a bunch of practical tools, I think that what God might have for us as I've prayed and, and just asked him what he's doing today, I think that what God might have for us is just a moment where we come into agreement with the truth that we don't have to live tired, that it doesn't have to be this way, that this is not God's best for us. Maybe, and maybe the first most important part of that is just saying like, I am tired. I've been trying to pretend like it's fine. I'm good, busy, but good, tired, but you know. And so as the prayer team is up here, um, that's my hope for you. If you're like, you know what? I just actually need to admit that I'm physically, emotionally, spiritually, or mentally tired. And, and they would love to pray with you and I would love to pray with you too that you would perceive and receive God's compassion today, that you would feel his nearness, not his frustration with you. But also maybe you need to just say like, I, I think I'm done with this. I actually wanna, I want my mind to be changed. I think I wanna be done living like this. I think I wanna be done living like I'm always on the hook. I think I wanna be done living like it's all up to me. I think I wanna be done living like God's expectations are gonna take me out. I think I, I, think I want maybe for my life to change. I think that heart change actually is everything today. So that's why the prayer team's gonna be here. And honestly, if, if you need to just come and, and come into agreement, this is why we come forward to pray. It's so important. It's not to call anybody out, but it's because our bodies often need to come into agreement with what the supernatural is doing, with what God's doing in the kingdom. And then we have this memory and we have this moment that we can say like, I, I went forward that day and I, I stood up and I moved my feet and I stood with her or I, I kneeled down up front and, and I perceived that something changes. Our minds and our bodies need that agreement to notice what's happening spiritually. And so we're going we're gonna to do that during worship. But before we do that, I'm going to pray. And I, I just have this um, gut feeling in my heart too, that maybe for some people in the room, 
this news that God is a good father who loves you and doesn't expect so much from you, but wants so much for you that maybe for somebody in this room, maybe a couple people in this room, that's news. That you've never heard that before. Or that that's never hit you in this way before. And so if that's you, and you wanna do this wild thing that we called salvation, where you say like, I think I want that. That's all that it takes. I wanna just pray for you we're gonna close our eyes. I wanna just make space for that. But for the rest of us, if you're, if you're just ready to say like, I'm tired, come forward. We wanna pray with you. If you're, if you're even maybe a step past that and you wanna say like, I, I'm tired and I don't wanna live like this anymore. I actually want all that God has for me, come forward. And we're gonna pray with you as well. Father, just thank you um, that you are a good father. Thank, that you, thank you that you don't want your kids and your daughters to live exhausted and wrung out. I thank you for this church that makes space for us to come and talk about something that's so simple but has such a supernatural impact on our lives. God, I just pray for my friends right now who this news that you're a good father might be hitting them for the first time. I pray that they would honor this swirling feeling of the Holy Spirit in them. And maybe without all the information, maybe without all the right words, that they would feel the boldness and the courage to say like, I want in, I want that. And if that's you right now, would you just raise a hand? I just wanna see you and honor you and say, thank you, God, thank you, God, come on. Right now, come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you, God. All over this room right now, women are saying like, that's what I want. And we say, yes, you get to have it. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're a good father. Jesus, you're a good friend. Holy Spirit, you are a comforter and a compeller. Holy Spirit, be gentle but complete tonight. This morning, you're the author of time, thank God. Stir up in our hearts, make us bold, get us out of our chairs. If we just need to come forward and confess and get help. Meet us where we're at. Holy Spirit, be gentle but complete. We don't wanna live tired anymore. We want revival. Start with us. Amen.